From Centered, welcome to the Take Root Podcast, where our purpose is to share testimonies that encourage you to deepen your roots of faith. Join host Karen Johnson to hear stories of those who have experienced God directing their own lives to a deeper, engaged faith. Welcome, welcome. This is Karen Johnson with the Take Root Podcast. On this podcast, we'll get to listen to some amazing people and learn from their wisdom, their stories, and their intentionality about growing deeper in their walk with Jesus. So today, I have the privilege of introducing you to Anya Phillips, who's a dear, dear friend of mine, and someone who continues to teach me about being vulnerable and courageous. Thank you so much, Anya, for being with us today and being willing to share your story. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to just see the ways that the Lord uses me today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I can't wait for people to meet you and get to know you better. So tell us, just tell us a little bit about you and who you are. Yeah, there's so many, it's funny, there's so many layers to that, but um, as we all have <laughs> so many layers to our story, but I think my, who I am, you and I were just discussing before this, that I'm turning 40 this year. So that's, that feels like a big, a big journey point in life. And my faith journey has been, gosh, it's been interesting. I feel like there's been, as I believe, as I've talked to more people and hear people's stories, that there's been so many parts in my life where I have felt God so close. And there've been other parts of my life where I have been left searching and wondering where he was and questioning where I was and feeling far from him and just trying to, to check my heart. And I feel like I always grew up believing in God. I wouldn't say I had a relationship with Jesus. We bounced around from church to church. And when I moved to Washington, which was in 1990, or sorry, 2002, I started going to a local church here. And I feel like that was the first time that I really met Jesus. I did a, I did a Bible study with Beth Moore and, or not with Beth Moore, but done by Beth Moore called Jesus, the one and only. And I really pray someday I get to meet Beth Moore because that study changed my life, changed, changed the trajectory of my life. It changed my heart. And I felt like for the first time I truly met Jesus and I understood what it looked like to be in relationship with Jesus versus just believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I would say in this sense of truly understanding who Jesus was, 2002 is when I really invited Jesus into my heart for the first time. And man, my life has not looked the same since. <laughs> so I feel like that's a been that that really is that was a, a turning point, kind of a pinnacle in my faith journey mm-hmm. of of when I truly met Jesus and understood who he was. Um how old then? Twenty-two. Okay, twenty-two. Yeah. So I know you have an amazing husband and two precious kiddos. Dean <laughs> and I have privilege of being godparents too they're so (laughs) darling and I know you're so thankful for them and for how much God has blessed you Uh, but I also know that you have some memories and trauma from your childhood that can get triggered in the most unexpected ways and perhaps especially right now in the time of this COVID-19 pandemic yeah because things get triggered by by that and by other things would you be willing to share about what you have lived through and how God is bringing you to a place of beautiful healing. Sure. And I will try to keep this under four hours. (laughs) Um, 
Yes, the Lord, um, my goodness, my husband, Johnny, I, I don't actually have enough words in the human language to describe him, but he has been the first person in my life who has loved me unconditionally exactly for who I am through no matter what I have been going through. And he has stood by me through some really hard, 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 hard circumstances. So he's, he is a gift. I met him at UPC actually, which is the church where I met Jesus. And so anyway, I, he's, uh, yeah, he's a tremendous man. And, um, my favorite story about our kiddos is that we were told we would never have kids Mm -hmm. and they share a birthday, which I just love. And they're not twins. (laughs) They share a birthday six years apart. And our youngest was four years in the making. And we had it was a very, very hard and painful journey to him. And man, the Lord just handpicked him for our family. So at April 25th every year, I'm, I'm just reminded of the way that God sees Johnny and Maya's hearts. And he's always with us. But gosh, that day is just such a, mm-hmm. a pivotal reminder for me of his presence. Mm-hmm. So in, in terms of in reference to my childhood, I am... Um, Yeah, I had a really traumatic childhood. My father uh, started sexually abusing me when I was two, and that lasted in some form of sexual or physical abuse until I was 20. And the the severity of that that trauma and that uh, the understanding of of how much I was abused and how deep that trauma went really has just been in the last four years that I have begin to, begun to understand that. Mm-hmm. And it's been a really, it's been an incredibly painful journey when I referenced earlier that, that Johnny is a man that I, I can't quite put into words. There have been, there have been moments where he has literally walked into the pit of hell with me mm-hmm. to hold me and keep me tethered to Jesus because he was my anchor, yeah. uh, because I felt like I didn't actually know how to keep breathing or keep moving forward from that place mm-hmm. because there, there is so much that comes from sexual trauma. I mean, you're, for me, my body was not my own from the time I was two years old. Right. And, you know, there was, there was that physical piece where I really, I felt, um, from an identity space, I felt like I didn't matter. I didn't have a voice. I didn't, I wasn't safe. I wasn't safe in my own body. And that for a child is extremely as, as any psychologist will tell you, child development is really important for kids to feel safe and to feel secure. And so when you don't feel safe in your own body, it becomes crazy making as you become older. I mean, not just body image issues. And there was, <laughs> there was plenty of that too. My dad started measuring my body fat when I was nine. <laughs> so, you know, there was, there were all of these, so many layers of, there was so many things wrong with me. Right. So you, you, you pack on the shame from being sexually abused and not being allowed to tell anybody about it. And that I was somehow inherently bad for that. And then my dad my dad was a a world renowned fitness speaker and presenter. And so you tack on the starting to talk about what your body looks like when you're nine and 
so many of those pieces of who I was as a human became about what my body looked like. The word beautiful was really dirty to me and felt horrible because my association with that word was not good. And it, it meant that beauty essentially equated danger. And then, and then on top of all of that, being told that none of what I was feeling was real. And so that, you know, that lasting for the first 20 years of my life was really significantly impactful. And it was trying to remember how many years into our marriage in, in 2016, we got married. So 11 years into our marriage, I had a full on nervous breakdown and was absolutely losing my temper with our children. Praise the Lord. This one gets me a little choked up. Praise the Lord. I never hurt either of our children, but man, I had so much rage. I broke our bedroom door. I was screaming. I mean, like rage in a way that terrified Johnny and it terrified me, but I couldn't stop it. It was like, once things started coming out of my mouth, I, I literally felt like I was having these out of body experiences. It was the same as when I was being abused that I would literally leave my body because that was the only way I could survive in, in the moment. And so here I am, let's see, I'm 36 at this point in time. So we're talking uh, 16 years after my abuse has ended, but I'm still feeling the same way. It's, it's still the emotional weight of that really, really severe trauma. And yet I now am inflicting that same trauma on my children which I swore up and down would never happen. And that same trauma on my husband. I mean, I was, man, the fact that he continued to pursue me when I was unpursuable. Yeah. I remember I, he told me one time he held you and wouldn't let you go and said, you are not, we, we, we are together in this. We're, yeah. not, we're, we're not leaving our marriage. Yeah. He's not yeah. going to. Yeah, that was the... That was the day I don't, October 16th, I think. 16 is a, it's a, apparently a prophetic number as I'm talking. <laughs> um, our anniversary is July 16th. Um, but I, th- I think it was October 16th. That was the day during my nervous breakdown. I had a backpack. I was ready to leave. I thought I was too messy and I felt like I was doing too much damage to our family. Mm-hmm. that they, and I literally believed it was very like, I never have judgment for someone when they talk about leaving, when they talk about, um, feeling like they're too broken to stay. I, I, I cannot express enough that when you are in that place, you genuinely feel like there is no other option. And that was what you were just referencing. When I, I told Johnny, I said, I can't, I can't stay. I can't do this anymore. I was going to Canada. I don't know why Canada. <laughs> it's close to Washington. I don't know. At this point in time, you're, it's not logical. There's nothing that is happening in your brain that is, that is logical. And I, I was ready to leave. And that was when he, he held me and just said, nope, like you are in, you are part of this family. And, and he, he was so, he was so loving when I was unlovable. I mean, when I, when I think about people talk about the love of the Lord and Johnny has shown me over and over and over and over again, 
the father's love in a way that I have never known. I, my own father. So when people talk about when people used to, it's changed for me now, but when people used to talk about God as father, mm-hmm. I was like, nope, I'm out. Like, that sounds horrible. No, thanks. Oh. There's nothing about that that sounds appealing. Great. So your own father is going to abuse your body and tell you how awful you are and make you feel shame and horrible about who you are and that you have no worth or value. Like, I don't, that God does not sound awesome. That does, there's nothing about that that makes me want to have a relationship with him. And I will say there are Christians who would argue with me in that. Hmm. Wow. And I, I, I had a really hard time with that. I've, I've come a long way and I'm much stronger in who I am now in my own identity to be able to hold my ground in those conversations and say, here's why this doesn't work or didn't work for me. It works for me now, but here's why this didn't work for me. So please be gracious with other people who don't see God the same way you do or whose definition of father looks so different than yours. There just has to be so much grace from all of us as we interact with other people because we just don't know someone else's story and we don't know what somebody else lived through. Yeah. Someone else's definition of family may look entirely different than ours. My family now that I have with my husband and our children is so vastly different than the family that I grew up in. Hmm. Right. So family used to be a really scary word for me and it, it didn't, it was not a word that felt comforting. (laughs) And now I think of family and I think of safety and I think of honesty and vulnerability and support and gosh, I think, I mean, marriage, everything has been redefined for me in terms of how I view those words. And so anytime I interact with somebody else and I'm a, I'm a, you've known me for a long time, I'm a pretty intuitive person with people. And so I pick up really quickly on tones or ways that people are impacted by, by words. Cause we all define those words differently, you know? Sure. sure. Uh, so, well, so I, that I, I know I can't, and I would say most of us cannot begin to imagine the pain that you've lived through. It just, it breaks my heart. and makes me cry every time you tell the story and I've heard it a number of times, <laughs> but, um, how is it that you have such a strong faith in Jesus and what helps you grow deeper in your walk with him when you, when you have a trigger or when you have something happen that, how do you stay close to him and grow deeper in him? Yeah, I think what I was going to say before I sidetracked myself, because I do that, <laughs> um, is that, so in 2016, after my breakdown, And for a long time, it was interesting, actually. Johnny had a hard time calling it a nervous breakdown. And I'm like, no, no, babe, that's what I had. (laughs) Like, it's clinically definable. That's what happened. And I'm okay with that because it it led me to a huge step of healing in my journey. I've, I've been in counseling for 12 years. And in 2016, I went to my first trauma center, which was... It was a week long, they call it a workshop because it is, it's voluntary. So you're not, you're not checked in. It's not, you can leave anytime you want. And it, it was in, it was an amazing place called the Meadows in Arizona. My gosh, after all of this COVID stuff, 
passes if if anyone listening has some childhood trauma that they need to work with of any kind i cannot recommend the meadows enough it was the first place that i started to unpack the depth of what i have been, had been through and there were i mean there were things that year that i was talking about that i experienced as a child and johnny and i had been married for 11 years at this point and he looked at me and said I had no idea, babe. And I'm like, oh, I thought that was normal. I thought, I thought everyone went through these things. I thought everyone's dad did this or, um, and so the Meadows, they have you write down, you, you literally have this, it's almost like a spreadsheet for lack of a better word, but it's, it's all printed out. And so you write down as much as you can remember the date and the incident. And man, it was the first time, one that I had ever listed on a paper. I needed eight sheets of paper. And I didn't even remember my sexual trauma at this point. This was just everything else. And so they have you list everything that you can remember. And then you're broken into small groups of uh, four to five other people. Um, My group was only women because anyone who had sexual trauma and I could barely, I only had, I literally had one memory of my sexual trauma at that time. And that was actually the memory of when I was 13, I told my dad to stop. I said, you may not touch me that way. And then you read your list out loud in front of your group. Wow. And oh gosh, if, if I go back to, to myself and in 2016, I vomited like it, it truly, I mean, there's so many, there's an amazing book called the body keeps the score. There are so many things that, that I don't even think we realize that our body holds inside. And so at the time it felt so terrifying. So for anyone who, anyone who has had any kind of trauma and I mean, be it verbal or emotional or physical, like, trauma is a really, really, it rewires your brain. It, it, you literally store information in different places in your brain. Um, and I learned all of these things at the meadows, which, which changed everything for me. Cause it was honestly the first time I felt normal and felt like, Oh, okay. Like I, I'm not crazy. I am not, there is a reason that I respond to friendships the way that I do and that I respond to relationships the way that I do. And what I loved about the Meadows is, is it's not a Christian place, but I was free to share my own faith free uh-huh. and talk about what my, what my personal journey with Jesus had looked like. So there was such a turning point for me and my walk with Jesus and the Lord. After my time at the Meadows, I went in October and in January, was when I had my first memories of my dad sexually abusing me when I was true, when I was two, um, I woke, I shot straight up in bed in the middle of the night, just weeping and Johnny, you know, on high alert anyway, because his wife was going through a lot, sat up and was like, what happened? And and I just told him and it it just, from that point, it was like, it just uncovered memory after memory and like visceral physical response memories that like damn let loose. Yeah, it was, it was just this, this crazy, yes, literally the dam had let loose and the, the water was just flowing. And simultaneously, man, Jesus was walking alongside me every step of that path. Like I, there was one point that I remember sitting on our couch in 
our living room and just weeping. And I mean, you know, I think of the Bible, like gnashing of teeth, just trying to understand and trying to make sense of what I had lived through and how to reconcile that. And, and honestly, how to reconcile my life, because there is nothing about my story that makes sense. Like statistically, I should not be where I'm at. And I should, I should not have the husband that I have, and I shouldn't have the kids that I have, and we should not have the marriage that we have. I mean, according to the world, God, of course, is like, uh, yeah, I have you guys, and I've protected you and covered you. Ironically, my name means in the grace of God, mm. which just, that one just kills me. <laughs> I just have to laugh. I'm like, Lord, you're amazing. But but God met me in so many places, and I wrestled with him in so many ways, and God showed me over and over again as I was having these memories and asking God, why weren't you with me? God, why, like, why was I alone? And God showing me every time and having to step, not having to, but in, in my healing process, the way that the Lord healed me was stepping in back into these memories and seeing where Jesus was at in wow. the room wow. and, and watching him weep and watch, and also seeing the ways that God had protected me. There were many times my life was in physical, like, I am lucky to be alive and just seeing God's covering in my life. And, and I don't say that lightly. I don't say I will, I will never understand this side of heaven. Why what happened to me happened to me. I also believe firmly and, and the Lord has shown me again and again and again and again, the ways that he is using me to come alongside other people. Because yeah. being able to come along someone, alongside someone who has experienced trauma, mm-hmm. when you've experienced trauma, mm-hmm. there's almost this, I hate the word camaraderie, but I guess it's the only thing that's popping up in my head. And so I, there's a familiarity. And obviously I don't understand anything that anyone else has been through, mm-hmm. but I am able to say to like, I can relate to that. Yeah. I can, your, your story is different than mine, but I can relate to it. Right. So you do have a greater understanding and ability yeah. to empathize than someone who has not experienced that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I do want to be, I'm realizing as I'm talking, I, I want to be really clear and I, I really cannot emphasize enough the importance of having a trauma therapist okay. to walk through all of this with. And I know that that's hard right now because of of everything that is, is happening with COVID. But mm-hmm. I just read a statistic today, actually, that the, the calls to the mental health hotlines and the suicide hotlines um, have tripled yeah. since COVID. And it, that, that just breaks my heart. Like I, I, because trauma is very real. Yes. And so, and even for me in the midst of this current trauma we're in, for someone who has been in 12 years of intensive counseling and who has been to the Meadows, I've been to the Meadows twice. I've been to two weeks of intensive therapeutic, like child or uh, traumatic childhood experiences. This, this whole COVID situation brought up stuff for me that I had to wrestle with and literally spent like two weeks where I was like, oh my gosh, I can't get out of bed. Oh my gosh, I am so, oh my gosh, I am grieving. 
why am I grieving? I thought I already grieved this. What is happening? And, and so I just have my, my deepest encouragement right now to anyone who is just wrestling or struggling or having any kind of suicidal thought. I hope you put my information on this podcast. Like they can reach out to me. I would be more than happy to give them resources or to talk with them because I think having a counselor, even in this time, even when it's on zoom calls and let's be real, we're all getting a little screened out, but my gosh, both my husband and I are both meeting with our counselors weekly on zoom calls. It's what it's part of what is keeping us grounded because it is so when you have trauma and at some point in time, my husband will feel comfortable and safe to share his story. He's got trauma. And so we've got like trauma upon trauma in our marriage. And, but when you have trauma, when there is a traumatic situation happening outside, Mm -hmm. it amplifies your own trauma. And, and again, I want to be, I want to be a voice of encouragement too, because man, four years ago, my mantra was, we're never going to get through this. This is it. Mm -hmm. This is where we're going to live. We're going to live in this place of emotional desolation. Mm -hmm. And I am going to just hate my life. And I'm going to hate everyone because to be honest, there have been seasons where I have wrestled with human beings and just thought, I hate all of you. I just hate everybody. And that wasn't against anyone. I just hated everyone. Um, the hope that you're offering. I, I for love sure. you're offering such hope. And four years is not a lot of time. No. And the healing that you have done in the last four years, I, I have observed, and it has been beautiful, courageous, hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I'm so proud of you. So thankful that you're mm-hmm. willing to share your story. Do you mind sharing your, how do you want people to contact you if they want to talk to you? So I've got, there's a couple different ways. Instagram is a great way to connect with me. I'm also an interior designer. So I'm trying to figure out how to marry interior design and trauma work. If anyone has any great ideas, like, please tell me. Because my deepest desire is to flip and build and have houses in areas where they are unaffordable for single moms, for people who, I, I just, I, I believe deeply that a home should be safe and surround you in, in comfort. And so there's, there's so much about that, that I just desire. So anyway, all that to say my, you can find me on Instagram. It's a good way to connect with me through. Um, what name do they messenger. just have on you, Phillips? It's actually called heart that built me is my at me on Instagram. Yeah, okay. On Instagram. Yeah. Or um, my email is Mrs. Which is M R S dash or uh, what are the hyphen. Phillips with two L's, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S at hotmail.com. Yes. Like I said, I'm 40. So I still have a hotmail address. (laughs) My husband still makes fun of me, but it's fine. (laughs) Well, that is so generous of you to offer to talk to people. And and I just, themeadows.com. So you could look that up. Yes, absolutely. A counselor or, or there's lots of resources. There's a place of hope out in, um, a place of hope in Edmonds. Yeah. It's a great resource uh, around here. Mm-hmm. Um, Samaritan counseling is another great option yeah. to look up. Uh, so those are some ideas of places yeah. to look for. For sure. And I you talked about flipping houses and turning uh-huh. around. I yeah. was thinking, what a beautiful picture of what has happened to you in the last four years. 
inside out, you know, you got flipped, flipped and remade. God remade yes. you. Yeah. And you have a new home inside of you. I don't know. I just had that picture when you were mm, I love that. Yeah. I was just looking at my, at my notes and I just, you were asking for things that I wanted to share yeah. with people or things that had shifted within me and something that as I was praying last night and thinking about talking today, something that, that I feel like the Lord just, just brought to me was this word of victim hmm. because hmm. anytime you are sexually abused or physically abused or emotionally abused, like you are a victim. You are a victim of someone else. And that is a truth. Yes. Living in the identity of victim is very different. Uh-huh. And so, because, because victim is synonymous with feeling weak, feeling like you don't have power because the reality is, I mean, I'm just going to take my story. For example, at two years old, I didn't have any power. I hadn't, there was no ability for me to change the things that were happening to me and that were being done to my body. Right. And so that, that season of life, I was definitely a victim. And I think for me and my own journey, and as I have processed and prayed and, and, and fought like mad to get to this place of healing, Mm -hmm. I have had to change that vernacular, which for me, it's really hard for me to shift definitions because I wrestle so much with identity, but I have had to change that vernacular from victim to survivor. And so I just want to speak truth over anyone today who is listening, who feels that place because man, I lived in that place of victim mentality for a long time. Everything is against me. Everyone is against me. I have no power. There is no, and and the truth is, is that Satan absolutely wants us to stay in that, in that place. Satan absolutely wants us to live in that place of hopeless, hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And so I, I associate in my head the word survivor with hope. Good. I like it. Because, because those, those two things are synonymous with each other. Because to be a survivor, you have to have hope, right? And you have to hope that there is a different, that life can look different. And a dear friend of mine spoke over both my husband and I, when we were in the thick of all of our, I mean, really when I had just uncovered a lot of my stuff and my husband was going through his own stuff. And I said, oh my gosh, we're never going to get through this. She said to me, she's like, you have to come up with a different saying. Let's find a different phrase because the, our, our words, our heart follows our words and our mind follows our words. So when I said, we're never going to get through this, I had to shift it to, I can't wait till we get to the other side of this, because I think it's really important also to acknowledge stuffing stuff down and not dealing with it is not healthy either. And so you, you have to give your emotions space. You have to, but what has been brought into the light, what has been brought into into the truth of saying with a, a trauma therapist or someone that you deeply trust and can handle all of you, that is where power is. And that is where God steps in. And that is where, and not that God can't step in in other places, but those are the places that, that God moves biggest, I believe. And that I, this same friend, when I was leaving for the meadows and I was literally a, like an emotional mess crying, we're having lunch, our two-year-old son is sitting there. I'm like sobbing at the table and she just grabs my hand and she says, listen, the Lord cannot heal what's hidden. Mm -hmm. And I went, 
okay. <laughs> like, but it, they are. And so it was, for me, it became that, that mantra of to be able to speak things out loud to people who could handle it. And again, that when you are in the midst of processing through really deep trauma mm-hmm. and, and you know, this, you've walked with me for a long time, mm-hmm. that the people who can handle all of us are probably less than one hand, <laughs> like wow. your spouse or your partner and, and your counselor, your trauma therapist, and maybe one or two friends. Yeah. Those are the people that got all of you. And I think that that's really important also, because as a person who wears my heart on my sleeve for a really long time, I wanted everyone to understand me and people don't. Yeah. And that's okay. Like yeah. that's, that's okay. Well, um, I love all of you, Anya. I know you do. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> All of you. Uh, amazing. And I, I just listening to you, I'm just again thinking, oh, I just learn from you every time I listen to you. I learn courage. I learn vulnerability. I learn faith. I learn trust. And, mm. you know, you have made the bold and scary decisions to, mm. you know, take the steps you needed to to get healing. And you have put your trust in God and dug down deep with him and, and cried out to him and yelled at him and been honest in all of it. And I mm-hmm. thank you for being willing to share all of that mm-hmm. with us. Cause it's, it's an amazing journey you've been on. Mm, thank you. And yeah. I, just, I believe God is going to use you in such, I, well, I think he already is just, mm-hmm for you sharing this today and the people who will hear it and be encouraged to take that step to get help and to think out of hiding the things that have them bound by shame. For sure. Yeah. It's a really, because anyone who has been victimized, which is a very real thing, there's so much shame that comes with that. And it's a very real thing. Yep. And I think of John 10, 10, you know, that Satan comes to kill steal and destroy yeah shame is a big part of that shame and fear absolutely keep us bound up and yeah jesus comes to give us life to the full yes he does right now yeah i just wanted to share one last thing from um since we're stepping into scripture my amazing friends i love you and your scripture quotes (laughs) so as you know isaiah 43 has been like my mantra for the last four years 43 18 through 21 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me and the jackals, the jackals and owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to drink to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I've formed for myself, that they mo- may proclaim my praise. That was such a lifeline for me. Even when I didn't believe it, yeah, yeah. I still read it. And I say, I think there's so much power to say, God, I don't believe that. I want to believe that, mm-hmm. to be able to say that, to be able to be honest and say, I don't believe that. I want to believe that, but I don't right now. Help me to yep. believe that. And man, I, I look back at my journals and I'm like, oh, I have come a long way. <laughs> like, and e- even in this season of, gosh, for, you know, the two weeks of COVID where I literally, it literally took every ounce of my being to get out of bed. Yeah. 
going on. And to get, I mean, I was, I realized that I was grieving. I was grieving these things with my dad and I'm like, what the bleep Lord? Like I have worked so hard. Right. Right. And, and it was, I mean, Isaiah came to my head so many times. God was like, I'm still working. I yeah. am still working and I am still providing streams because I, there are still things there that you need to hear truth about. Yeah, and so, and, and, you know, I've been talking about that with a number of people that we are in a collective time of grieving and that we yeah. give grace to others and grace to ourselves because yes. there are those stages of grieving. They, they're not nice and neat and happy. No. They're, no. they're all mixed up and, and sure. um, you know, the, the anger and the denial and the bargaining and the, you know, finally coming to acceptance, but, but the next stage that they're talking about, they're talking about adding a sixth stage to these stages of grieving. And that is meaning on the mm. other side of this. Mm. What is the meaning when we get through the time of, you know, healing the trauma, when we get through with on the other side of COVID, when we get through, not, not through it on the other side of a intense time of grieving. Yeah. For sure. There, there is meaning. What meaning yeah. do we find from this? And that's something that is also, I think, hopeful. Mm, yes, hopeful I love that. The meaning on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And to look for the good, because I think I, I believe, and man, there have been some rough, rough patches in my life, not just with my dad, but in my early twenties and high school and college years. I mean, you know, there were seasons of my life where I was suicidal. I tried to take my own life, but gosh, there has always been meaning, right? And when I've been able to get out of that fog and get to that other space, I love, I love that. I pray that that becomes a part of the grief cycle because yeah. there has to be, even, you know, when we lose a loved one, right? Yeah. That there's so much grief in that. And, and then as you work through that process, and then you can get to that place of meaning where you're like, oh my gosh, here are all the things that that person brought to my life. Right. And if that person believes in Jesus, then this is not their last story. <laughs> this is not, this is not where it ends. Right. And so anyway, I, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be, yes. to, to share your, be with us in, in this podcast and to share your story so vulnerably. And, and I just pray uh, along with you, that God will use your story mm. to encourage somebody else to take the next step and ask for help and come out of the hiding place mm. that shame keeps us in. Thank you. So yeah. Lift well, up thank you for whoever's out there listening today. That you'll it'll bless you or or uh, someone you love that you'll be mm. able to share this and it'll make a difference in somebody's life. So, thank mm. you so much. Thank you, lovely lady. Love you. Love you. <laughs> you listeners out there, what a treat to be with Anya today. And God bless, keep safe, and put your trust in Jesus and grow deep in him in this time because that will continue to bless all of us. Mm. That's it for today. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Take Root Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share. To learn more about Centered and hear more stories of discovery and growth in Jesus, visit us at centered.org.